welcome back to Podcast Royal and a very happy 2024 from me and Rachel. Okay, I have to admit this break went by really, really quickly. I don't even feel like we took a week off from the podcast. Do you? No, I feel like I feel like I need a vacation from my vacation. That was the quickest 10 day break of my life. I don't know how 10 days could go by so quickly, but hi, welcome back listeners. Yeah. How was your Christmas and New Year's? I know we haven't had it. We, we've tried it a little, but we haven't had too much of a catch up yet. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe now is a good time to announce that I live in Florida now. <laughs> so um, that's a whole other story, but um, it was really good. It was really quick. Like I said, um, we went back to Birmingham for Christmas. And so we were there for four, four or five days and then came back down here to Florida uh, on the 27th. And so we've been here since then and doing nothing, which was great, but not great when you come back to work and have to face the music, you know what I mean? And so, um, but it was really good. It was really low key and yeah. How about you? Yeah, it was also great. Spent a lot of time with family. So had a little bit of travel. And then I also had a pretty big to-do list around my house and some home projects. So I've got some stuff started over here. The break went by too fast for me to really finish any of those projects, but they're on the schedule to be done this month, hopefully. So, uh, but I have an update for everyone. So in our last episode, I had these grand plans to make a gingerbread apple trifle for Christmas. And I am happy to report that (laughs) after a lot of recipe planning and finalizing all the ingredients, I did make it. And it turned out pretty fantastic. I have to admit. So I shared a photo on our Instagram account and I think everybody liked it. I think it was a crowd pleaser. Well, you texted me a photo of it and it looked delicious. So I wish I was there to partake. I I didn't use a traditional trifle dish. Like we had talked about on the podcast. I used this really pretty crystal bowl that my mom had. And so what I did was I baked a gingerbread cake and I cut it into small cubes and then Mm -hmm. I made a homemade vanilla pudding and I made these really thinly sliced apples baked with cinnamon, dark sugar, and rum. Mm -hmm. And I layered all of that in the bowl and topped it with homemade whipped cream. So we also had on our Christmas table, Christmas crackers. We popped those. I should have posted a picture of us in the paper crowns, but I didn't do that. Um, But we all got the little prizes. I think mine was a little metal lock and key that was in my Christmas cracker. Mm -hmm. And we all had a joke in there. So it was really fun. You guys are so festive. Like we just are, maybe we're just way too low key over here. We, I need some more Christmas traditions in my life. So you're inspiring me for next year. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I know we looked great. Oh my gosh. It looked so good. Well, okay. We've got a lot to catch up on and we are not going to do a bit of British today. I guess my bit of British was to report on the Christmas trifle, (laughs) Um, but we're going to go ahead and jump in to Royal Rundown and chat about some of the stuff we missed while we were on break. So why don't you start it off for us? Yeah. And of course, you know, we'll save this for later, but we've got a massive Royals around the world story to get into, but we'll get to that. But let's start with Royal Rundown. So I was really excited over the break to learn that William and Kate are going to Italy this spring. Mm -hmm. And 
I am going to ask you this in a minute, Jessica, but I want to go. And so let's start saving our money now because I'm taking you with me. So before we get into everything from Christmas past, we will talk about Sandringham and all that stuff. I want to drop this note in here about the future. So it was announced over the last week that William and Kate apparently heard our pleas for them to go on their first tour since March 2022 when they went to the Caribbean and they're headed to none other than Rome, Italy this spring. So I'm actually not joking. I want to go. <laughs> so um, <laughs> would you go with me? Because I mean, this can, we can talk about this offline, but like Italy is, is top five for me destinations that I want to go to. So how cool I've heard that they might be meeting with the Pope. So what do you think about this before I get into the rest of it? Well, I mean, I have to agree. Italy is a top location for me as well, but I don't know, Rachel, I, as fun as it would be to see William and Kate, I don't know if I want to spend my time in Italy chasing them down. I mean, do you really think that would be, I think it would be awesome if we were in the UK to see them, but I just, you know, as much of a Royal watcher as I am, I don't know if I'd want to spend my Italian vacation, you know, (laughs) hoping to get a glimpse of them. I I mean, maybe if we, if we planned it out and we knew we'd get to see them, it might be worth it. Um, I don't know though. That's a, that's a big trip. And Italy sounds like an amazing place to go. Yeah. I have so many, we don't have time for me to go into all the cities in Italy that I want to visit. Rome is one of them, but Milan, Florence, I almost called it Venetian, Venice. I cannot speak English, I guess. Um, Portofino. So, so many different places. But so in 2023, Kate actually did not travel internationally at all in an, an, an official capacity, save for, I think she went to Marseille, France for rugby. But William traveled in an official capacity to Poland to visit British troops on the border with Ukraine and to show support for refugees. He also, of course, went to Singapore for the Earthshot Prize Award. So I'm really excited about this Italy announcement. As I said, March will be two years since they traveled on a royal tour together as a couple. Also, I read today that the king and queen are headed to Australia and New Zealand later this year. And actually, Princess Anne is off to Sri Lanka this month from January 10th to 13th. So the royals are traveling. So I love to see that because, of course, you know, we had such a lag during COVID. So everybody's back in the air. So much to look forward to this year. And by the way, Jessica said happy 2024. I'll add in my happy 2024 as well. So we are not going to park on this for very long because we have so much else to talk about, but we did tease last episode that we were going to briefly touch on the crown season six, part two, which of course came out on December 14th. Um, we really do have so much to cover today that we won't stay here for long, but I know that you were on, when we last talked, you were almost done with the back half of the season. So did you finish? Well, that was not when we talked on the pod. That was you and I talking offline. Yeah, that was you and I just talking. You know, we we like talk all the time on text and the phone and stuff. So, but you were almost you were halfway through, I think. I'm I can't I, okay. Well, I was mistaken. I thought I was on the last episode, and I mm-hmm. looked, and I'm actually. I, I think I'm going to finish tonight. I am halfway through episode nine now. I think yeah, when we talked ten. about episode eight, and I was thinking it would be like just four that came out. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm almost done. But yeah, I mean, I've got some some thoughts. I don't know, you know, how much detail you want to go into. But, um, eh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the royal family portrayed in these more modern years. I know. I don't know how much I want to go into either. I just, I remember, I mean, I 
I didn't go to the UK until I was an adult. So I wouldn't have been one of those girls screaming for William. Like, because mm-hmm. I was, because I simply wasn't in the UK. If I would have been in the UK, I would have been one of those. I, you know, everyone, or I say everyone, I've said on the show before that Prince William was one of my first, if not my first crush. And so I was in love with him. He was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's an, if you know, you know, situation like around the turn of the century, my goodness, like there was not, there were not many people more beautiful than William. And then I, I mean, I, I, this is not planned out. We really don't have a ton of time to get into this, but I, okay. The crown, when the crown is written about the queen, it is some of the best writing I've ever seen on television. I kind of feel, and, and, and I would say that's true for the back half of season six of the crown when it's about the queen, I just think that you can really tell where Peter Morgan's passion is. And that is with her late majesty and her story. I kind of felt, and maybe this is because we know too much, Jessica, but like, I was not incredibly impressed with the William and Kate and Harry for that matter storyline. It just kind of felt like it was put in there because it needed to be like, you can't Mm -hmm. not mention the early aughts without mentioning William and Kate meeting at St. Andrews. But it just didn't seem like if you look at the earlier seasons of the crown, there was just so much depth to it. Beautiful writing, beautiful cinematography. And I'm not saying it was bad. I loved the crown. I mean, I binged it all in a day, but it just seemed a little bit less. I I just lacked a little bit of that passion. Did you feel that too? I did. And I also noticed, I mean, unless something changes in these this last episode here, I also noticed the lack of Harry content compared to Yeah. <laughs> well, that that was that way in season 5, too. Do you remember that he had like one line in all Yeah, and I five. wondered if that has anything to do with his relationship with Netflix, I thought the same thing. I've maybe the same told thing. them, yeah, that he didn't want to be heavily portrayed in the crown. Um, I'm not sure. I will say the actor who played Prince William was more convincing to me than the actress that played Kate. I was, yeah, I had a hard time actually. There were a few scenes where I thought they, you know, did a pretty good job, but I had a hard time actually being convinced that I was watching Kate Middleton. Well, and Ed McVeigh is a very good looking man. Like he captures, he very, he very much captures um, the William of Mm -hmm. of that time period. Um, I will say the princess Mark. Okay. And you haven't watched the finale. The finale right. made me weep. Um, the finale was the best episode of the whole season for me. Or I, I've definitely the I would definitely say it was the best episode of the back half of the season. I'm not gonna give you any spoilers because I would be a really bad friend if I did, but I wept and wept and wept and wept. And not just about that the show is ending, but I wept just about they handled the queen's death beautifully. I'll just leave that there. The last episode, the finale was the best. That did not disappoint. Um, let's see. Oh, I also, so there was Tony Blair content. I found that interesting. The Princess Margaret episode mm-hmm. just broke my heart. Yeah. Um, because yeah, that was of their closeness. Much. Yeah. And um, love seeing Carol Middleton portrayed on screen. She, I mean, I've heard rumors that she really, did push for Kate to, you know, transfer for, from Edinburgh to St. Andrews, 
you know, ostensibly to meet William, but that actress who played her, whose name I can't call right now, um, was great. And then, you know, just they, of course, they investigated the deaths of Dodie and Diana. And I'm, I want to talk really badly about the finale, but I'm not going to do it. All I have to say to you is one word and you'll understand when you watch it bagpipes that's i'll just leave it there okay and i'm not saying anything else i thought like peter morgan my hat is off to you for how you handled the queen's death and just the end of it and i can't believe and i'm really sad that the show is over like i it just again when when the writing is about queen elizabeth it's second to none but i it didn't doesn't it kind of feel like Peter Morgan felt like he like he had to include the Prince William and Kate Middleton of it all and the Harry of it all and so it just kind of felt like just really lackluster but yeah yeah he made I up for it at the end. and I'm mm-hmm. so sad this show is over and I need another royal movie like the queen um to to come in and satisfy my royal entertainment needs so well and- the pieces with William and and Kate sort of just felt like they had to grab at whatever is publicly known out there and make that part of the storyline because they didn't really, you know, it's like they don't, they don't know all of the private moments, but they also can't just go rogue and make up too much about the story. Like they probably could about elements of the Royal family from decades past because it's more historical. So they Mm -hmm. have maybe a little more creative license where they know they're going to be critiqued for everything that they talk about in modern years. Mm -hmm. So it's like, they just had to take these pieces that you know, of, of things that we know happened during the time when they were dating and then try to work that into the storyline. So it felt a little bit, you know, kind of to your point, not mm-hmm. very deep. Right. It was just very surface. Whereas so much of the Queen's story, especially in earlier seasons, was so deep. And that's what I love about the show. But, oh, man, we're going to have to we won't come back on the show and talk about this. But personally, like offline, we're going to have to talk about the finale because, man, that got me. That really got me. And listeners, um, write to us. Don't spoil it for Jessica until she's watched it. But write to us and tell us if it got you in your feels like it did for me. But anyway, the crown's over. That's like really sad. Um, kudos, 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 Peter Morgan. Well done. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, let's go ahead and look back at all of the events that occurred during the Christmas holiday. So, To start off the week of Christmas, King Charles hosted the royal family for a Christmas lunch at Windsor Castle, and I read that it was reported lunch was like your traditional roast turkey with all the classic holiday sides, so probably something like potatoes, vegetables, Mm -hmm. dressing, cranberry sauce. Um, which I, you know, I think is interesting. The classic Christmas dinner in the UK is very much like our US Thanksgiving dinner. Right. So, you know, in the US at Christmas, I would say ham is a pretty popular choice for dinner, but yeah. 
I do think it's a mix on whether people tend to go more formal with their Christmas meal or more casual. So like in my family, we usually go a little more casual. This year we did have ham. We had sausage balls. We had cheeses and wines and some veggies and, um, you know, a a huge way. We had a huge selection of desserts this year, but I do like to dress up our Christmas table with my Christmas china. Um, just even if we're eating a little bit more casual of a meal, it's always fun to get festive like that. But I have to ask Rachel, what do you normally eat on Christmas? Are you more casual or are you a little bit more formal? No, we're, well, these days we're very casual. We used to be a lot more formal when my grandparents were alive, but now that, um, you know, my grandparents are no longer here. And then my uncle and his family still live in Kansas, which is where I'm originally from. And then now, you know, mom and I are down South it's just way more casual, but we used to do Christmas ham actually really. And now we just kind of do whatever we're feeling that year. We've had it catered from Moe's barbecue, which is like a local place in Birmingham. We've had it catered from Cracker Barrel. I mean, just all over the place, but really the tradition that stays in our family is Christmas Eve. We always eat Mexican food. And that is a tradition started by my grandfather. I don't know why that started moms listening. So, and there probably is a story that I just can't call right now, but we always have Mexican food on Christmas Eve, which as someone that loves Mexican food, that's probably my favorite kind of food. That is a delight for me. So that, that tradition remained this year. And I love that always will. So yeah, I know a lot of people do like Christmas Eve pizza or Christmas lasagna too. It's that, oh, okay. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw the whole extended family in attendance for this lunch. So there was, of course, the king and queen. And then we had the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, Princess Anne and Sir Timothy Lawrence, mm-hmm. Zara and Mike Tyndall and their children. The Duke of Kent was there. The Prince and Princess Michael of Kent were there. And it's been reported Prince Andrew was expected to attend, although I don't think we saw any photos of him. He was there. He was there. He was there. One note that we we did notice, though, a lot of the extended family was there, but unfortunately, we did not see the whales. So they missed this year's Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, sorry. I'm thinking of Christmas at um, Church at Sandringham. I don't know about if if Andrew was at the, sorry. I don't know if Andrew was at the lunch. I do know he was at, um, which we'll talk about in a second, the walk to Sandringham. Yeah. So I I read he was supposed to be there, but we didn't get any photos of that. Um, But the Waleses had, you know, they missed because they were already at Amher Hall. They went to their country home in Norfolk for a few days after the children got out of school. So they weren't at the lunch. Um, However, we did see the whales with the rest of the family on Christmas morning, what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So we, of course, saw the walk to church at St. Mary Magdalene. And I thought, and maybe it's always like this, but it seemed like an even bigger group than usual this year, right? Yeah, it seemed, we had the Tyndalls, we had, uh, we had Fergie, which we'll talk about in a second. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it did seem a bit, a bit bigger, which is good because I think we've talked on the show before lately about how it's felt so slimmed down. So it, mm-hmm. it did, it was good to see everybody out. Well, I was really surprised to see Fergie. Were you? I was shocked to see Fergie because she hasn't done that walk since the early 1990s. So it it was, it was, I swear to you and, you know, maybe I'll get criticized for this, but I promise you, like, I have no actual facts on this, but this is just my opinion. Andrew and Fergie are totally a couple. Like, how can they not? Like they're, if they're not a couple couple, then they're like 
the loves of each other's lives. I mean, they live together, granted in a very large 30 room home, but I, I think that, I don't know. I think they're romantically together. I don't think they're just platonic. I don't know who knows, but um, <laughs> I don't have any confirmation of that or anything, but um, I, I think they're, if, even if they're not romantically involved and in love, they're, they're definitely a family unit. And, but I was shocked and I think we're going to see a lot more of her. And I think it's because Fergie's fun. Fergie, I mean, like she's a, she's great publicly, but I bet she's also a blast to have it your Christmas celebration. So I think this is the beginning of a lot more Sarah Ferguson, which I well, working Royals aside, she is part of the private family. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think it's reasonable to think that we would see her at some of these events and, you know, I, I don't know why all of a sudden she came back this year for the walk, but I will say she's had kind of a big year. She's had a lot going on and I think she's probably done a lot to bring positive publicity to the family, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a ray of light. So I was happy to see her. Well, let's go ahead and do a quick recap of what everyone was wearing, because I really been wanting to chat about this with you. So first up, we had King Charles and Camilla, and they were both in shades of tan. So they long coats on. Charles was in this dark camel color and Camilla was in this lighter tan coat with matching suede boots. She had on a Philip Tracy hat with a feather embellishment. So I have to ask you first, what did you think of their look? Okay. So I love the color camel, like on myself personally, I love the color of Camilla's coat. Um, Charles is fine too, but Camilla's, the color of Camilla's coat, I like, that's beautiful. I, I, I actually, um, maybe I'm controversial, but I might, I might actually prefer Camilla's look this year to Kate's. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. I liked it. Well, next we had Princess Anne and she was in a long white coat with brown boots and she had on this large brown hat with, with brown feathers. And she was also in a brown and gray striped scarf, which I think I read was part of a collaboration between Highgrove Gardens and the Scottish brand Johnston's of Elgin, which I'm not familiar with, but I noticed Sir Timothy Lawrence was, so he was in navy pants. He had on this shorter jacket and he was wearing a scarf that looked exactly like Anne's. So did you Mm -hmm. notice that they had matching scarves on? Now I do. (laughs) I, I, I noticed it now. Yeah, you're right. They do. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. What did you think about the white coat? Oh, that was kind of interesting, right? I, you know, I did not dislike it. I, um, I, I don't know why this year, just like, I'll tell you who my style winner was in a second, but, um, and it might surprise you. It might not, but nobody, nobody took my breath away this year. It was just okay. You know, I don't know what you think, but it was just okay. Well, next up, we had the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. So Prince Edward was in this long brown coat and Sophie was in this very long ankle length green coat. It had this bow embellishment around the neck. And she also had on this large brown hat with a wide brim and feathers. And it felt very reminiscent to me of what the Princess of Wales wore at the 2022 Christmas walk. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, Um, Yes, yes, I do. So she also had worn this ankle length green coat and like the wide brimmed hat with the feathers. So I don't know, that just took me back to last year's look that that Kate wore. And then we had um, Lady 
uh, Louise was there with, with her brother James and she was in a long navy coat with a wide brim hat and I don't know if anyone noticed this. She had on the same scarf as Princess Anne and Sir Timothy. So Lawrence. obviously something's going on here. <laughs> yes. I concerted scarf effort. I definitely picked up on that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm distracted looking at pictures. Um, but yeah, go on. This is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, go on. Okay. So then, yes, we saw the Yorks. We had Princess Beatrice and Edo. They were both in Navy. He was in this Navy suit. She had a long Navy coat and a Navy fascinator. And then Princess Eugenie was there with Jack. She was in a black coat, actually. And she had that paired with black suede boots and a white headband. And then, of course, Fergie was in a dark green coat. She was very monochromatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so in my... um... I need to not get distracted and focus on you, but I've just pulled up an article from WWD about how the, the headline is how the Royal family styled King Charles's Highgrove heritage scarf for Christmas. And you're right. Um, Princess Anne, Timothy Lawrence and Lady Louise all have the scarf on. So that was very much obviously planned. And there's um, a whole article about this listeners. If you're interested, you can read it, but um, there it is. The Highgrove heritage scarf okay well i wonder if that's available to purchase uh it is yeah i think so um hold on a second i can tell you in just a minute maybe um yeah hold on it is and then yes the scarf can be purchased through both the highgrove gardens and the john and johnson's of elgin websites with 10 percent of all johnson's of elgin sales being donated to the princess foundation that's cool okay that's okay. that's charles's cool. charity so okay sorry this is what listeners you are listening to us learning on the fly we are learning on the air right here <laughs> but anyway yeah you're you're right and i um i guess i didn't pay that close of attention but you are absolutely right they are wearing the same scarf and you too, listeners can wear the high growth <laughs> heritage scarf. And actually that's cool. 10% going to charity. So I like that. Well, okay. So back to Fergie and her monochromatic look, she was in a green coat, green handbag, green shoes. And she also had a green headband with feathers. So he loves her a headband. now. she loves a headband. Yes, she, yes, she does. Um, but yeah, very, very monochromatic, very trendy for Fergie. I liked the color. I really liked that green color. I did too. Okay, so let's talk about Zara and Mike Tyndall. They were there with their girls, Mia and Lena. And how cute was Mia walking with the Waleses? Yeah, that, that, the, the exchange between, I think it was Mia. It was either Mia or Lena, but I think it was Mia and Charlotte just warmed my mm-hmm. heart. They like, I, I love the Tyndall girls. And by the way, I want to sneak this in there before I forget. Um, did you notice the matching pleated braids? with Kate and Charlotte. I, that was probably my favorite part of the whole situation. So I thought that was cute. Okay. So Mike was in a Navy suit. Zara was also in a long dark green coat, very similar to the color that Fergie was wearing. And she had on black boots and a tan fascinator. And then of course we saw Mia in a, no, it was, I think it was Lena was in the tan coat and Mia was in a polka dotted dress and she had this kind of aubergine colored coat on. It was very pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now let's talk about the Waleses. So Prince William was in a Navy coat. 
Catherine, also very monochromatic. So she was in this long royal blue coat with navy boots and clutch and this royal blue bow and arrow hat. And then we had little Princess Charlotte in a dark green coat with black tights. And like you said, she had the little braids. Mm -hmm. Prince George was in a navy suit. And then little Prince Louis had on this navy <laughs> double-breasted coat and this little like navy and green tartan pair of pants. That was really adorable too. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to ask you your thoughts on all of this in just a second, but I'm going to say real quick, these are my takeaways. It's okay. very clear to me that this year's outfits were really carefully coordinated. So we had the very obvious navy and green color scheme. We yeah. had almost all the women with feathers on their hats. We had the matching high grove scarves. Um, I thought it was coordinated really well. I thought everyone looked great. It was clear they wanted Charles and Camilla to stand out. They were the only ones wearing the tan coats. And it's I thought it was- interesting to hear you say stand out, but you're wearing camel. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I know. You're wearing neutrals. Kind of a color that would blend in. I, I totally get that. Um, and I also thought it was interesting. Princess Anne was the only one in a white coat. Um, I like so, that winter white. That's very on trend, Princess Anne. Way to go. I, yeah, I, I like agree. that color. I also thought that um, it was interesting if you notice most people stuck to this dark shade of navy blue, except for Catherine, who was in this more like bright royal blue. Mm -hmm. um, it just stood out a little bit more than others. And I wonder if that was intentional to highlight her in the crowd and and really her status as, you know, a senior royal and future queen. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That was kind of my takeaway there. But I think they just really wanted to do this to show the family as a united and, and a supportive group and kind of portray their close bond. Cause I mean, we know they've had a really challenging year PR wise, uh, mm -hmm. but I think they did a great job with the styling for, for this year. So I have to know what you think and who you think best dressed was. Yeah. As I said, this year, didn't really do a whole lot for me. I mean, it was, wasn't bad. It just was okay. And, um, I think I have blue fatigue because I think in another year I would have <laughs> liked Kate's outfit. And I just was like, Oh, and here goes another blue again. I just, I have blue fatigue. My winner, if you want to call it that was actually Charlotte. I loved her braid. I loved her coat, the color of her coat. Um, she is just such a little lady and she's growing up so fast. She's going to be so tall and just, she, she took the day for me. It was, but the, the color palette. Yeah, you're right. was like very muted, like very earth tones. Right. And maybe that has something to do with, um, I think we're going to talk about this in a second, the, the sustainable tree that Charles had in his Christmas broadcast. So, I mean, we all know Charles is a very environmental guy, but yeah, it was just like very, earthy tones, muted tones. Well, and feathers. <laughs> and feather. Yeah, that too. So, and um, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I really tried because you know that this is my like work, like this is my full-time job. So I really tried to disconnect over Christmas from the Royals. And so I only kind of saw the outfits in passing. I've really only seen them after the fact, but it was just, yeah, it was just okay. Like it, it wasn't bad, but it was just very muted. I thought, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think my best dress was also Charlotte. Um, I thought she looked adorable. I loved the coat. Um, and I did ask our followers on Instagram who they thought best dress were. And some of the top answers we got were Zara, Fergie, and Charlotte. So we had some mm-hmm. people agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Zara, Zara is just beautiful. I mean, I've said that once. I've said it a million times. She's a beautiful woman. And you know what? It wouldn't be Christmas without the annual King speech, which is still jarring I guess to say because it was the queen's speech for so long but um second annual king speech and king charles delivered his speech with a twist so if you will notice if you you can just youtube this if you if you missed it live on christmas day if you'll notice he stood by a living tree for the first time which was a nod of course to his ongoing environmental efforts buckingham palace said the tree was decorated with natural and sustainable decorations including hard turned wood pine cones brown glass, dried oranges, and paper. And mm. after the speech, it was, it was replanted. Um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> and you, paper. Is, how did, I mean, isn't it still going to die if it's been cut? I look, I don't really know that much about <laughs> trees, but all, all I know is that I just think it's funny and paper. Um, but anyway, so what did you, any thoughts on the speech? Did anything stand out to you? It was just, so it's interesting because I had written a story before Christmas about ch- how Charles had gone quote unquote gone <laughs> which is funny to me too, gone rogue with the Christmas speech, meaning like he wasn't like he was doing it much more extemporaneously, like off the cuff, um, not really involving his advisors as much. I thought it seemed, I did, I don't, I didn't notice that at all. I thought it seemed, you know, very run of the mill standard operating procedure, but did you have any thoughts on the speech? It's honestly, I, I don't know what this means or what this says, but I, I did watch it on Christmas day and I don't, really remember much from it other than the tree I do remember the tree in the background so I I remember that as well and the oranges on the tree actually yep 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 um I I disagree that he went rogue here is my takeaway I don't think he did it didn't seem like he did but that's what they were saying before the speech was given that he was going to go rogue I don't think that he actually went rogue it seemed to me like he gave his speechwriters some like a list of bullet points that he wanted to convey in his speech and they tried really hard to tie all of that together <laughs> yes but I think they fell short on a few parts um so you know overall you know I think he made some great points in the speech and I liked how he you know related his message back to the Christmas story um I, I you know I think this is a Christmas speech I think it's important to talk about um, you know, the meaning of Christmas. Um, but it sounded to me like he really wanted to mention the volunteers, the community volunteers that they had attend the coronation. Um, he also really wanted to put something in there about the environment and protecting the earth. And I think they tried to like somehow, you know, fit that into the speech. Um, I, I think the speech writers maybe could have maybe could have done a little bit of a better job tightening Mm -hmm. all of that up to me the intro felt really out of place I think that's a critical (laughs) point in a speech where you bring your audience in and kind of get their attention and you know he just kind of started off you know referencing like different festivals and meals and then somehow went into (laughs) like giving presents and then talking about volunteer efforts in the community and I was like where are we going here um so he could have just right off the bat gone straight into the meaning of Christmas and you know remembering people who are caring for others during the holiday season but um 
you know, I, I did notice some, just some little things like that, jumping around, like I said, trying to bring in, you know, talking about the environment and stuff. But overall, I do, I do like the points that he was bringing back to, you know, the meaning of Christmas and um, treating others how you would like to be treated and loving others because, you know, Christ came to show us an example of how to love. Um, I thought that was really touching and, and talking about care and compassion. So, you know, I think the points he was trying to make were, were really great. I, mm -hmm. I just wish I could have chatted with his speechwriters beforehand. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, I think, you know, I think the mark of the speech is, is I can tell you, I don't remember almost anything that he said. And it's been what a week and it's not like my mind is full because I've been on vacation. So, I mean, I just remember the tree. <laughs> and so that's all I remember. So I, I guess there's your, there's your answer from me about what I yeah, thought of speech. It seemed like he bounced around a little bit and I, I just wish he had been a little bit more to the point with the speech and said things a little bit more directly. Like I said, just kind of kept it focused on the, the main message of Christmas and the meaning mm -hmm. of Christmas. And, and, you know, I think I think the speechwriters maybe could have could have helped him with that a little bit more. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, also on Christmas Day, William and Catherine released a siblings-only photo of George, Charlotte, and Louis from their photo shoot with Josh Shinner. Um, this one was also shot in black and white like their Christmas card, and it was accompanied with the caption, wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas from our family to yours, which they signed W and C, which signifies that that's from them personally. So, you know, Charlotte, again, is the focal point in this photo. She's sitting in the middle with her arms around her brothers and then George smiling at the camera. And we've got Louie kind of looking off camera, swinging his legs. But yeah. um, I thought it was fun that they released that on Christmas Day. And I, I saw it on Christmas Day and I waited to share it till the day after Christmas because, you know, Rachel, and I didn't share my trifle till the next day either because I was like, really want people to take time off of Instagram and mm -hmm. spend it with their family and their loved ones. And I don't want to be posting on Christmas day. So I did hold off a day on sharing that on our stories, but it's out there and it was a cute photo. Yeah, it was a cute photo. And, um, briefly want to mention this. Did you see that on, so the new, the, this did not happen on boxing day, which is December 26th, but it was released on boxing day that queen Camilla, she shared highlights from when she hosted a seven-year-old girl named Olivia, who happens to be blind for tea at Windsor castle the week prior. My heart was really touched. See, I remember that more than the yeah. King's speech. I was really touched by that. Yeah, I, I did see that. And you know, I really love it when the Royals do engagements like this. I think it is so touching and it's a great way to connect with members of the public on a really personal level. And I actually think things like this are very important in their roles as the monarchy continues to move into this sort of modern era. I think it's a great way to welcome people into royal properties without turning royal properties into museums, you know, to, to just have that moment of connecting with the public and bringing them in and sharing in these special moments. And I loved the photo of Olivia wearing that purple velvet crown that was really mm -hmm. cute. Well, I also love that Olivia brought along her coronation teddy bear who is named mm -hmm. Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E. So I really kind of melted <laughs> for this story. I loved it. Definitely. Well, sort of along these same lines, we had another news update that came out while we were on break, and that was Kate's Together at Christmas Tea Party. Did you see that one? Yeah, I did. This also melted my heart. 
So this was a surprise tea party where she spent some time with a group of families and she learned what the adults that were in attendance are doing to make an impact on the next generation. So of the ladies there, there was Brenda and she volunteers at local schools where she helps kids with reading. There was also a man in attendance named Russell and he was a soccer coach and he helps kids build confidence in sports and in their skills and sports. So I thought, um, like you said, this was really fun. I love that it was a surprise tea party. And I thought Catherine looked beautiful. She had on this bright red button up cardigan. And one thing that I have loved, we've gotten a lot of this this year from our different royal families, but I love how festive the photos were from this event. So mm -hmm. you could see a Christmas tree in the background. There was garland, lights, ornament. They even had uh, paper snowflakes up and there was a red tablecloth on the table. And I just thought it was so much fun. It just made everything feel really Christmassy. Yeah, it was it was really good. I really enjoyed seeing that. And we're going to take a <laughs> a hard right turn via Mike Tyndall. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we ordered our notes, but we're we are now done with Christmas. <laughs> so we're we're pivoting. We are hard pivoting to the Tyndalls, which, you know, we don't always talk about the Tyndalls every episode, but it's always a good episode when we get to bring a little Mike and Zara Tyndall into it. So um, Mike shared a nickname of Williams and Zara also opened up as well on a podcast. So Mike Tyndall's nickname for Prince William listeners, if you have not heard this news item, if this came out before Christmas, it's pretty hilarious. He calls him one pint Willie, which is a nickname. I bet Mike can drink anybody under the table. I'm just surmising, but, um, Mike gave him that nickname because in Mike's words, William is not the best of drinkers. I don't know what that means. Like, how are you uh, like, can you, like, I guess he means that he can't hold his alcohol or can't keep up or whatever. And, uh, he and Zara were on the seven pod, a podcast called seven together. And after Mike spilled this, Zara told him that he was going to be in so much trouble. And then I think Mike said something like, sorry, sir, it's already out there, but, um, they mm -hmm. also, this is, and I was a little bit disturbed by this. I'm not going to lie, but they also revealed that in Zara's phone, Mike's name is, uh, fill in the blank kitten, which I think we know what the fill in the blank all right. I think I know what it means, but it's, and they also said it was NSFW, not safe for work. So I, I've got some guesses, but well, I, I don't know if I wanted to know that. I mean, they're a cute couple, but like, I, that's, 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 it's just funny. Well, Mike is too funny and you know, he totally keeps us entertained. And what I love about him is I think he gives us really relatable glimpses into the family, but he does. I mean, you know, I know she said you're going to be in trouble, but I think he respects their boundaries. He's not sharing gossip or drama. It's just fun stuff. And it makes everybody have a nice laugh and, you know, way to go, Mike. It's kind of like, <laughs> kind of like Fergie bringing a kind yes, of a that's weird exactly element, what I thought. Yes, like yes. a weird element of positive PR um, in a yes. strange way. So yes. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yes. Mike and Fergie are bringing the humanity to the Royal family and the humor. Also all, I just thought of this, all of Mike's little anecdotes have about the roles have to do with drinking, like how Kate played beer pong <laughs> and how William's one pie Willie. So, um, well, I think, I think Mike's telling on himself the most. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like why, like why does everything revolve around booze? But anyway, I, I always love hearing from the Tyndalls and on that same podcast, Zara opened up and said that she and her brother, Peter Phillips were 
this is, these are her words, very lucky that my mother didn't give us any titles. So I really commend her on that. We were very lucky that we got to do it a bit our own way. So Princess Anne, who is their mother herself, actually spoke about her decision to not give Peter and Zara titles to Vanity Fair in 2020. She said, I think it was probably easier for them. And I think most people would argue that there are downsides to having titles. So I think it was probably the right thing to do, which obviously her, at least Zara agrees with. I think Peter probably does too. So um, that episode, that podcast is called seven S I mean, I don't have to spell seven for you. I, what I'm trying to say is it's spelled out. It's not the number. So you can, you can listen to that. It's well, very, it's very short and it's very good. I think it's interesting to hear that perspective, you know, both from Anne and Zara, because, you know, from the outside looking in, I think the public would automatically assume the coolest thing ever would be to have this title as, as prince or princess, you know, Mm -hmm. it seems like why, you know, like you would be so mad if your parents didn't give that to you, but then to have the perspective of someone on the inside who's experienced Royal life and tell you that, you know, it's actually, um, really wonderful that they weren't burdened with those titles is really fascinating to get Mm -hmm. that perspective. Yeah. And, you know, while a title can open doors for you can also, be really daunting as well. I'm sure not. I mean, speaking from experience, obviously I can tell you all about me having a title, just kidding. But, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, I'm just, you know, it worked for them and that's all that really matters is that it worked for them. So once again, hard pivoting, we're a little bit all over the place. This is also a pre-Christmas story. Megan, um, I was not expecting this. Megan had a mini return to acting. She appeared in a campaign for Clever, which is a coffee company she invested in back in 2020. Did you see this? Did you see this commercial? I did. I know she's been a part of this company for a few years now. Yeah, about, I guess, now coming up on four. So in the short clip, Megan plays what might be best described as a bumbling intern. She is in the background of every shot doing one task or the other. So the video begins with Clever co-founder Hannah Mendoza welcoming viewers to Clever HQ. She gives a tour of the company's many departments. And then the video zooms in to show a familiar face working alongside the the fulfillment crew packing boxes, none other than Megan herself. So Hannah then goes to the next scene. Hannah is now sitting in an office. She introduced the very smart, only slightly nerdy digital team as Megan can be seen working at the desk behind Hannah. This time she's wearing glasses and business casual attire. Then now I don't have to recap this for you listeners bit by bit because you probably saw it. But then Megan is seen again as Mendoza uh, walked outside to introduce the glue that holds us all together. She handed um, Hannah, I don't know whether to call her Hannah, Mendoza, whatever, Hannah, a drink from a fridge, then later greeting a team member. And then at the end of the video, um, Megan actually burst into laughter after missing a fist bump. So um, it's unclear. We don't really know how much money Megan invested in the company. The company sells latte powders and coffee, matcha and chai flavors. And you know what? If the goal was to get people talking, guess what? Clever's video worked, like it or not. So um, yeah, that I was just not expecting that. And if some people are saying, oh, well, it foretells a return to acting for Megan. I don't think so. I just think she was doing a, a solid for a company that she really believes in. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think we've we've kind of, I don't know, seen her in different capacities related to this brand. And I think we'll continue to see her pop up with them in, mm-hmm. in years to come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we don't have any listener questions today, but we, like you said, we've got pretty big story in Royals Around the World. story, like probably this, maybe the story of the year for Royals Around the World. (laughs) And that says a lot, given it's only January. (laughs) I know, it's like January 2nd. (laughs) So, So, um, yeah, go on. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, let's get into Royals Around the World. And I've saved that story. So we're going to go through a few others really quick um, because we did. We had a lot of other stuff going on over the break as well. And actually, we'll we'll start off. So while we were on our break, we got news that Crown Princess met Merit of Norway tested positive for COVID. And she was expected to actually have to cancel her Christmas plans. So I have to ask you, did you hear that news? I feel like you told me that news. I might have. Yeah, Um, I think you did. A lot's happened since then. So. Okay, this was the second time she's had COVID since 2022, and listeners might remember on Instagram, I shared the Norwegian royal family Christmas photo, and she was not in the photo. She was noticeably absent. That is because it was taken after she tested positive, so she missed out on the picture. Um, She also had to miss out on a service at the chapel at the Royal Palace on December 20th, which recognized volunteer workers. But the good news is she was given the all clear later that week, so she didn't have to miss out on all of her family's Christmas celebrations. So we're glad that she's made a recovery. Yeah. Yes. COVID is definitely everywhere right now. So stay healthy, everybody. Yes. Yes. And while we're on Norway news, King Harold shared his New Year's address. And, you know, I saw a theme this year with with a lot of our monarch speeches, which I feel like we've had for a while now because we had COVID the past several years. And then we've had, you know, a hard year and, and you know, really across the world for different reasons. But um, his his speech was maybe a little bit heavier than what you might expect a typical New Year's speech to be, but he talked about lighting candles for those suffering in wars and conflicts and for those we miss and for hope. And he also talked about invisible hands that guide us and that many people need the invisible hands of love, friendship, hope, and a belief in God. So if you miss that speech, that's just a really brief recap. By the way, I want to sneak this in here loved I'm on Instagram sparingly these days but I loved your content on the all of the Christmas cards or all the Christmas photos from all the royals around the world that was awesome um yeah which I think we have to have a confession for you here Rachel so Rachel says that she is on a social media detox but listeners I am here to tell you that she is probably 95 percent of the time the ones responding to your dms <laughs> yeah but that's that's only because I get notifications for them and I get so excited like a little dog like at the door whenever I see a dm I like if you get it like a, a red like the deeper red heart that's probably always for me like I just get so excited but I'm not like I'm not scrolling on Instagram, which I'm very happy to say that I'm not because, um, you know, like (laughs) sometimes you just need a break from social media, but yeah, I love, I love getting DMS. Like it just makes my heart so happy. 
So go flood us with DMs for Rachel. Please do. You make my day every time we get one. And we got a really great one from a listener. I sent it to you. It was like, if somebody was like, I love it when you guys make goofs, which good, I'm glad because we do it all the time. And when, <laughs> and when we, um, and when we like cut up and laugh and stuff, and basically she said that she can tell that we're really friends, which yeah, we, we are really friends in real life. We were friends for years before we ever started this little thing called podcast Royal. So, um, I just, yeah, it's in the DMs send the, and I emails to nobody ever emails us. Rarely we get a lot more DMS than we get emails, but keep it coming. We love talking with you guys. For sure. Well, let's jump over to Monaco. So we got a New Year's address from Prince Albert and it included Princess Charlene in another great dress because we talked last time about the one in their Christmas card that she was wearing that really pretty kind of brownish goldish velvet dress. Well, she was in another one. So before we get to the dress, um, in Albert's message, you know, much like King Harold, his was had a serious tone this year. He talked a lot about difficult times, trials, tribulations, and tragedies of 2023. And he expressed his support and compassion for those experiencing suffering. While he also acknowledged that his country has been spared many of the upheavals affecting the world. So, you know, I think this was his way of showing that he is aware of the state of the world and he does want to be in touch with reality. I think he's an example of many of the royals around the world trying to balance that sensitivity to the public while also being a source of joy for those going through difficult times. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was an interesting speech. You can find that online if you, if you want to see it in full. Um, No. Okay. On to Charlene's dress. So she was in and Rachel, I was so busy. I forgot to put a photo in our notes for you, but she was in this. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Burgundy velvet dress by Ralph Lauren. And I think her Christmas card dress is still my favorite, but this one was really beautiful. I thought it was tasteful. It was super festive for the holiday season. And this particular dress retails for just under, wait for it, $3,700. Our girl likes to shop. Buying this one. (laughs) You know what? Okay. Charlene is a fashion girl. And I love that about her because you can tell who is a fashion girl and who is not. And what I mean by that is do you like fashion? Does fashion excite you? Or are you just handed a piece of clothing from your stylist and you put it on the body and it doesn't mean anything to you? You can tell that Charlene loves fashion. And I love that about her. I don't like velvet, but if you're ever going to wear velvet, wear it at Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're ever going to wear, and and the it's burgundy, it's velvet that could not be more Christmassy. And you know, what is sad about the photo that I'm looking at? Charlene looks beautiful by the way. Um, and she wears the dress very well, but what is sad about the photo that I'm looking at is that you can't see the bottom of it, which is actually my favorite part of the dress. It has like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's long, it's, it's floor length. And it actually is a little bit beyond floor length. It's got like great detailing at the bottom and you cannot see that because this photo I'm looking at cuts off at Charlene's knees. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if, again, if you're ever going to wear burgundy velvet, Christmas is the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to talking about Royals who like fashion, I think the risk there is if you like fashion, you're going to take some risk. And so you might have some hits and you might have some misses. And so I think we see that a little bit more with, with our, princesses who like to experiment with their attire. Uh, But I think we've had a lot of really great hits recently with Charlene. This dress by Ralph Lauren, I really liked it. Loved the the Christmas 
hard dress mm-hmm. that was really pretty too and that all red look from national day yeah was she's, really she's a fashion girl she loves it and she's you know she's absolutely stunning All right, well, let's talk about Sweden for just a second. So we had another royal birthday since our last episode. Queen Sylvia celebrated her 80th birthday, and Princess Madeline shared a photo on Instagram of her mom blowing out the candle. She had a pink birthday cake, and all of her grandchildren were surrounding her. So that was really fun to see. Happy birthday to Queen Sylvia. Yes, happy birthday. Okay. So, of course, we've got to talk about the surprise royal news we got ahead of the new year that I know everyone is waiting for us to talk about. But before we do, I'll mention really quick, the Danish royal family had their annual New Year's event for those working for the government. So I thought this was interesting. Crown Princess Mary was in a burgundy velvet gown, which yes, was, she was really similar to mm-hmm. the one Princess Charlene wore in Monaco's New Year's speech video. So one thing I will point out, though, Mary has gotten a lot of value out of this dress. She wore it first in 2007. It's been altered a few times over the years, but I think we've seen her rewear this like at least six times since she first debuted it. So talk about cost per wear. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a good value for, I don't know how much it costs originally, but um, that's a lot of rewears. Go Mary, go. <laughs> so we saw the queen in a full skirted pink gown. Of course we had tiaras for this event. But I'm not going to linger here any longer because... I know you're drawing this out. We have made the listeners wait so long and they're probably like, you know, chomping at the bit for our opinion on this. Well, the news is out that there will be some big changes coming for the Danish royal family in less than two weeks time. So So fast. Just in time for the new year, Queen Margaret addressed her country in her New Year's address where she shared the news that she plans to abdicate the throne on January 14th. 2024, which is exactly 52 years after she took over as queen. So she will be passing the throne to her eldest son, Crown Prince Frederick, who will become King Frederick X of Denmark. And his wife, Crown Princess Mary, will be Queen Mary of Denmark. And so real quick on on Queen Margaret, she is 83 years old. She is currently the only reigning sovereign queen of the world, meaning she is the only female monarch to inherit the throne, you know, as opposed to someone who may be married into the monarchy. So up until Queen Elizabeth's death, this was a bond that the two of them shared as the two reigning female monarchs. Did um, you know also, sorry to cut in on you, that those that they were third cousins? Yes, we've talked about that before. Yeah, so they were they were actually quite close anyway. So she is also Denmark's longest reigning monarch, and she was the first woman allowed to inherit the Danish throne following the 1953 Act of Succession. So interesting fact there. So, okay, for our listeners who are hearing this news and you're all really excited for an upcoming royal coronation in 2024, I don't want to disappoint you, but that does not look like it will be happening. So Denmark, along with other European countries, don't hold traditional coronation ceremonies like the British monarchy does. So Crown Prince Frederick will take over, but without all the pomp and ceremony that we saw at King Charles' coronation. And you know, when you think about it, I think that makes the events of last year for King Charles really even more of a rare occasion than we might have realized. Um, Because I don't think I realized until just the past few weeks that the other European monarchies don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, because 
we really haven't had many. I mean, definitely, I don't think since. I'm, since I'm we've been doing the podcast, I don't think we've had that's any. That's what other I was about changes. to say. I, I'm racking my brain trying to think if there's been any changeovers other than the British royal family since we started the show almost going on four years ago. So um, I have so many thoughts on this, but just go ahead and finish. I have like literal bullet points okay. about this. Well, let me say, okay, so I think. I think all of our royal watchers were really pretty shocked by this news. I mean, especially because the queen has said in the past that she has no intentions of abdicating. She's always said she would serve a lifelong commitment to her country as queen. So, Rachel, I had some notes of what I wanted to ask you about, and I want to know what you think about the news. Do you think it's good news? Were you disappointed to hear it? Do you think the UK should keep doing big coronations or should they follow European monarchies and not have these big ceremonies? But um, I don't know. Tell me your thoughts. Oh my gosh. I literally have bullet point thoughts on this. Okay. This is listeners. We talk about Royals around the world all the time on this show. So I think that you understand that this is huge, huge news. Any kind of abdication is, is huge and abdications don't normally happen unless there is an underlying reason for them, right? Because um, like Spain, for example, the former king abdicated because of a scandal. Um, I mean, there's abdications don't just happen. And so that's why I have so many thoughts. So to, uh, before I forget to answer your question about the coronation, I of course love the pomp and ceremony of the coronation. So I think it will continue. I think when it is William's time, I mean, he didn't even have an investiture as Prince of Wales. So I think it's going to be very, very, very scaled back. And even Charles's was very, very, very scaled back from his mother. So there's that. But okay, um, it's just happening. I'm I'm disappointed is what I want to say at the beginning. Okay. It's, it's none of my business, but she is our only reigning queen regnant in the world, in the entire world. So now we have literally no reigning queens. And it actually, for whatever reason, is like, kind of and look Margaret you do whatever you want to do but it's kind of just taking me back to how I feel when the queen died Queen Elizabeth when Queen Elizabeth died because it's just it is a bit the end of an era now the good news is is that the future is very female when it comes to royals around the world we have Belgium the Netherlands Spain Sweden all about to all have heir parents that are female but for a while it's, it's going to be a boys club and that, that is what it is. But I just think that she just announced this on new year's Eve. So like two days ago and it's happening so fast. It's only two weeks. Like, you know, it's not like, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, when the queen, when queen Elizabeth died, you know, she didn't even, you you don't give two weeks notice before you pass away. So like, you know, I guess two weeks is longer than we had anyway. It's just very fast. Um, I, I want to mention this here that Queen, the future Queen Mary uh, will be the first Australian born queen ever, because of course, Australia is a sovereign state of the UK and mm-hmm. they're not British monarchs are not born in Australia generally. Right. And so um, I thought when I heard this news that um, Queen Margaret might be ill. And that was, that was my first thought because she has said in the past that she would never abdicate unless she fell in her words, gravely ill. I thought maybe, okay, it has to do with her age. She's 83. Mm -hmm. I have, I just wrote a story about this, this evening that, um, we talked 
about the rumors with Genevieve Casanova, which is a name that sounds like it's made up, but that is the, it's kind of the Rose Hanbury, if you will, equivalent of Crown Prince Frederick. There was rumors of an affair with Genevieve Casanova in Spain and Madrid. We talked about this on a prior episode. I have read today that Queen Margrethe is doing this, abdicating to save her son's marriage to save the marriage of Frederick and Mary, because um, if, if I don't, I don't obviously have any confirmed reports, but that the timing, I, the Royal expert that I read was that the timing was just really suspicious because this, the scandal just happened in November and you know, why now I, I wonder how long this conversation has been in play because it seems very fast to us, but maybe this has been happening behind the scenes for a long time. I think it's, utterly fascinating because Mary is to Denmark what Kate is to the UK if if we've talked about this on the show if Kate for whatever reason decided to leave her marriage and leave the royal family the royal family's done so it's done right I mean she's the glue that holds it together and Mary is she Mary even physically resembles Kate in in Denmark Mary is very fashion forward she's beloved she's very popular um she loves the coat dress too she does and and again they actually like literally Mary and Kate very much physically resemble one another um I know in her address Margrethe said that she'd had the back surgery which we talked about on the show and then it kind of caused her to reevaluate so maybe that's the reason I also think it needs to be mentioned that Prince Christian just turned 18 so now you know he's able to he's I guess an adult and that you know was a turning point and they made a big deal about it in October I'm you know wondering if if that is you know they made such a big deal of it because um because they knew that this was happening I don't know so again as you said January 14th is is her um the day she acceded to the throne in 1972 52 years ago um I think it's interesting to note that she took the throne I think she was 31 um after the sudden death of her father, which of course sounds a lot like Queen Elizabeth, who, as I said a minute ago, is her third cousin. She's made history, a lot of parallels with Queen Elizabeth. Maybe that's why I'm having trouble with this news is because it's kind of bringing up those old feelings. But Margrethe is the longest reigning monarch in Denmark. And um, as you said, the new titles were announced today, January 2nd. So they will be King Frederick and Queen Mary. Margrethe will remain Queen Margrethe and will still be called Her Majesty. Then, of course, Christian is now, um, as of January 14th, going to be Crown Prince Christian. And the last thing I want to say is that Margrethe is just incredibly interesting. She's an interesting woman. She um, used to be a chain smoker. She smoked 60, that's six zero cigarettes a day that changed after the back surgery. That's not the case anymore. Um, she did set and costume design for a Netflix show. She illustrated a Lord of the Rings, uh, book back in 1977. She too, like queen Elizabeth was known for her bright colors, especially her raincoats. She paints watercolor and acrylic. She's just such a fascinating, funny, flamboyant woman and i'm gonna miss her being on the throne um i hate this news personally but you know whatever i mean i love i love mary so i'm excited about that but i just i'm i don't like this like it just doesn't feel right so what do you think um yeah she is very fascinating she's got a really cool history of things she's done throughout her life but 
Okay. So my thoughts on this, I have also seen claims about it being, you know, is it to save her son's marriage? And I disagree with that. I, I don't think this lady has been on the throne for decades. She's been around for a long time. She has seen, you know, new like paparazzi photos she's seen news articles and gossip and i don't think that something like that would sway such a huge decision on its own um i also don't think she's been planning this for decades or several years you know as i said before she has expressed her intent to serve you know in a lifelong role as monarch um i think something's changed in the past maybe three or so years that's led her to this decision. So if you remember, back in 2022, she announced that she would be removing the prince and princess titles from her grandchildren who were not born in the direct line of succession. So those who weren't born to Crown Prince Frederick. Um, and that decision went into effect about a year ago from today and um, or from this month, I guess. But you may also remember that, like she said, she has been dealing with, you know, some health issues, specifically her back. So she had major back surgery last year, which I think kept her from being as active as she would have liked. And I think the past few years, she's been observing some of the changes going on in royal families, most famously the British royal family. You know, we know they've had a rough couple of years. And I think she's watched how things have played out with them, how they have maybe attempted to slim down their monarchy, but then they've also had some non-working members of the family really express a desire to have prince and princess titles, and they're trying to navigate that arrangement. I think she's also observed the last few years of Queen Elizabeth's reign and how they were impacted and shaped by things going on in the world that were really out of her control, but also, you know, her own health struggles as she aged and the transitions the family went through. I mean, I think we can all agree that Queen Elizabeth had to significantly scale back her duties in her last years. And, you know, she held title of queen, but in reality, it was the senior members of the family outside of her that were doing the day-to-day -day work. And, and I don't think Queen Margaret wants that arrangement for her family. And I honestly feel like all of these things have kind of impacted her and how she's seen her role. I think she's making a genuine and thoughtful effort to make some hard decisions for the monarchy now so mm -hmm. that she doesn't have to burden Crown Prince Frederick with some of those decisions in the future. And I think she I think she wants to allow herself time in her later years to just be a grandmother and yeah. enjoy life. And, and I think this will let Frederick take over while he's still young and energetic and really can have um, some impact in his role that he'll be remembered for. And I think she recognizes that Mary is extremely qualified and prepared for this role. And I think she does an outstanding job supporting Frederick. So I mean, you know, if I had to guess from my sort of distant perspective as a royal watcher, I think all of these things played into that decision. And I think it's been building for a few years. And, um, you know, I, I wonder how her decision will impact other royal families' decisions. So will we see more restrictions from other families on prince and princess titles in the future? Will we see other monarchs in her generation choose to retire or abdicate and let the younger generation take over you know i think time will tell on all of that but um you know she could be she could be setting the trend for others and i just don't i just don't see 
how a negative story in the press about her family would lead her to make such an abrupt, drastic decision, you know, that is really a reflection of, I mean, her reign, what will be in the history books. I feel like there were so many other things that played into this. Yeah. I mean, that's my take. Sure. I mean, we don't know because we were not in these conversations. It's a multi-layered beast. There are many reasons. The reason, as you said, could just be she wants to enjoy her later years and retire. I mean, you know, this is one of the only jobs that where we're shaking our heads at someone leaving their job at 83 years old. Right. And so, you know, it ultimately, if it is the right decision for her, if it is the right decision for the Royal family of Denmark, then I'm all for it. I just don't, I mean, it just, again, it feels very sudden to me and to the public, but who knows how long these conversations have been going on. So, um, yeah, I'm just stunned. Like that's a bombshell right there. I don't think anybody was expecting that. And, um, I'll tell you what, Margaret has been making some like firm and decisive decision, like the 2022 decision to take the titles away and now mm-hmm. this. And so, you know, I will miss her on the throne. She's been a delight to, to follow. And I, I, like I said, I'm very excited for, for, I guess the forthcoming queen Mary, but, um, We'll miss you, Margaret. We'll miss reporting on you. I don't absolutely, like and and I mean, I still look forward to seeing her in you know a non-working capacity. Like I said, I think she's got um some wonderful years ahead of her to just relax and be a grandmother, and you mm-hmm. know, if she likes to garden or you know help with costume design or whatever she wants to do in her free time. I'm excited for all of that. And, and like I said, I don't think this has been a decision that's been decades in the making. But I do think it's been something she has been probably considering for the past few years and, and trying to get her affairs in order to be able to step down. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens this yeah. year. I think we're excited for Frederick and Mary, um, but also just, you know, honestly, congratulations to yeah, the queen for, for stepping yeah. into this new new season in life. Yeah. Congratulations on your reign. What a, what a reign it was. And we'll continue to report this story out as, as it develops. But I also want to add a quick late ad to Royals around the world. So just as the Jordanian Royal wedding was the Royal wedding of 2023, we might be actually on the cusp of the Royal wedding of 2024 very soon. So Prince Abdul Mateen of Brunei and his fiance, Anisha Issa Kalabek will get married in a, you know, we, we don't do it small in the Royal circles in a 10 day, 10 day wedding event next week. So on new year's Eve, the first portrait of the couple was shared and uh, William and Kate actually are rumored to be in attendance at this wedding because the Sultan of Brunei was president at their wedding back in 2011. So we'll see, but the wedding will be from Jan. <laughs> this is wild. The wedding will be from January 7th to the 16th. Uh, wow that's honestly that sounds exhausting and will include an islamic ceremony on january 11th and a wedding reception and parade on january 14th so i'm excited about this so we'll continue to report that out as well that was uh a lot definitely was not expecting to be reporting on the margreth news when we um set off for the holidays two weeks ago so there you go this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Well, let's close out this episode with one final segment that Rachel has for all of us. So Rachel, why don't you introduce us to this new little series you're doing? Yeah. So I'm going to do a limited series called, I'm calling it Royal Potpourri, mostly because it's kind of all over the place. Like there's no, like it's, it's, it's a little bit here, there and everywhere, but this week for our first week, I want to talk about the, this segment is really to talk about some things that are a bit random that we've never really mentioned on the show. Cause it just really never had a place to be mentioned. And this week I want to talk about the Royal Warrant. So when you really get into the weeds of the Royal family, you learn that there are so many random and often incredibly interesting, honestly, parts of it. So one of those to me is the Royal Warrant, which are in massive layman's terms, a stamp of approval given by the reigning monarch to companies who supply goods and services to the Royals. So basically it's more or less the Royal seal of approval. And It's worth noting that the media, government departments, party planners, and so-called places of refreshment or entertainment, so restaurants, bars, theaters, uh, pubs, don't qualify for a royal warrant. So after a monarch dies, the royal warrant he or she granted is nullified. So many of the companies I'm about to name are technically nullified because Queen Elizabeth granted so many of them. I guess they're not technically nullified because I think that they have two years after the death. So they will be in September, but I'm still including them because a, I want to, and B King Charles has only been on the throne for such a short time that if I took queen Elizabeth's um, Royal warrants off the list, it would be really short and uninteresting and boring. Although Charles did grant 159 Royal warrants during his tenure as Prince of Wales. So her late majesty granted 686 Royal warrants during her reign. And Prince Philip, by the way, granted 38 Royal warrants of his own. Although many of these have fully expired since it's been over two years since he died in April, 2021. And finally C Companies, like I just said, companies have a two-year grace period after the death of a monarch, which we are still in that grace period until September of this year, because guess what? It is 2024. So you can apply for a royal warrant. If you're selected, you're permitted to use the royal arms in connection with your business. So it's granted for up to five years at a time. It can get renewed, of course. And today there are around 800 royal warrant holders, although I'm only bringing to the table companies that would apply to most of us there. And a lot of those, probably 686 of them are going to fall off in September. So there's literally every industry you could think of here, but you're going to, in this segment, hear about the more lifestyle-y products that you or I could purchase. Well, if we have a lot of money, by the way, like Turnbull and Asser and Cartier, which I don't. We have but... a Princess Charlene budget. You're yeah. If, if I have, I've always said that I have a share champagne budget on like a Bud Light or wait, sorry. No, that I said that wrong. I have a, I have champagne taste on a Bud Light budget. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I won't be buying most of this, but the Royal Warrant Holders Association was formed in 1840. And though the association is not a part of the Royal household, we could call this Royal adjacent as we sometimes do on podcast Royal. So the Royal Warrant itself, by the way, goes back to medieval times when competition for Royal favor was intense. The monarch had the pick of UK's best tradespeople. And in the 15th century, as head of the royal household, Lord Chamberlain officially created the royal warrant of appointment, and it continues to 
this day. So if you are wanting to drop a few coins and spring for some royally approved jewelry, here's where you would head that is approved by the Royal Warrant. Cartier, um, I'm thinking of the Cartier Halo Tierra right now, Asprey London, Mappin and Webb, Thomas Lyle, Wartsky or Gerard, which of course has such a history with the Royal family. So let's talk clothes. This is going to be breezing through because obviously this episode has been long enough, but um, clothes, barber jackets are royally approved as is Burberry. I love Burberry. That is really, I would only, that's really the only, I would say call designer label on the list. It'll be really fun to see like when Kate is on the throne, what her Royal warrants are, but, um, Burberry is on, is a, has a Royal warrant Turnbull and Asser, as I mentioned a minute ago is on the list. If you are looking for a handbag, a handbag, I cannot speak the English language today. Lawner London gloves, try Cornelia James leather goods, G Edinger knitwear and hosiery corgi hosiery which i find really interesting for a couple of reasons because a it has corgi in the name which is so very queen elizabeth and b it was actually prince charles that gave the royal warrant for hosiery so there's that maybe he did that because it had corgi in the name and he knew his mother would love it anyway who who really knows but um loke brothers is your place to go for men's shoes and lock and co for your royally approved hats so many of the hats that the royal women wear are from lock and co so you probably recognize that name if you are in the market, this is where it gets really granular for a royally approved umbrella. Then a Fulton company is your queen Elizabeth approved umbrella. How about a clock? You ask, I wish you'd have done this episode before Christmas. Uh, maybe you can get this listeners for next Christmas. Cause it's going to take me a whole year to save up for some of these things. Um, if you want a clock G Collins and sons, if you want a candle prices patent and for binoculars, cause I know you're needing another pair of binoculars. It's all about Swarovski optic, which sounds very expensive. So as for food and drink, remember they don't do restaurants and pubs, but they, they do do brands like drink brands and so forth. I find this all so funny by the way, but let's talk about booze, shall we? Cause we were talking about booze earlier. So Bacardi has a Royal warrant. That's an odd voice. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> I know. I know. Barry brothers and red for your wine and spirits. For your whiskey, I cannot pronounce this word, Lafroig, I'll just spell it, L-A-P-H-R-O-A-I-G, distillery, and I can pronounce this, Johnny Walker. I know that a little bit. There are eight, yes, eight different champagnes that have royal warrants. There are two chocolate companies that are royally approved, Cadbury, we all know Cadbury, and Charbonnel at Walker. You can get your Italian, sorry, I can't like, I just, I just, I want to have a warrant of my own that like, I say, I approve this. And then I just get free Cadbury for the rest of my well, life. We've talked about some of these on, on here before when we've done shopping guides. I know we've talked about Queen Elizabeth's umbrella brand and we've mm-hmm. talked about barber jackets. So some of these are familiar. I, I remember bringing them mm-hmm. up and then you can yeah, there's a Wikipedia page as well as a website with all of these if you want to, you know, get the full list. Okay, so if you're looking for Italian food and truffles, you're just really in the mood for that tonight. Carluccio's is your is the way to go. And as far as grocery stores, shop at Fortnum and Mason or Wait Rose, which of course I know Kate shops at Wait Rose. For your household goods, pop by House of Fraser. For toiletry products, Yardley of London, or for gifts and accessories, Halcyon Days, which Jessica, do you remember that there used to be, or maybe there still is a Halcyon Days at the Summit in Birmingham, which I didn't know was 
out of royal warrant anyway but if you want a soft drink try schweppes or Schwe- is it schweppes or schweppes i don't know i i've seen it i just don't drink it um this list has products honestly so specific that we've got a preference right down to royally approved tomato juice which by the way is james white drinks we've also got specific specific companies for sea salt biscuits and tabasco sauce so one of my favorite things to look at is beauty products. So Clarins, you probably know this listeners, is the brand for perfume, J Florist. And there are not many individuals on this list, but Ian Carmichael is not a brand. It's, that is a man that is a hairdresser, the hairdresser that is royally approved according to the Royal Warrant. So if you are looking for a luxury hotel to stay at, the Goring, which is where Kate stayed the night before her wedding back in 2011, or the Ritz, which is interesting because of the FIAD connection. But anyway, um, if you're in the market for a car, a Jaguar, I, I know I say Jaguar, but I think the rich pronunciation is Jaguar. I don't know. That's the way to go. And some big time companies are on here. Some global companies that we have here in the States too. Kellogg's has a Royal Warrant, Nestle, Procter and Gamble, Samsung, Xerox, and Unilever. So Harkening back to the last episode, Tom Smith, who is the inventor of the Christmas cracker, which you talked about, has a royal warrant. <laughs> so go, go Tom Smith. And I find this fascinating, although I don't know if there is a there there. Speaking of the Fayeds, um, Harrods, the department store owned by Mohammed Fayed, had a royal warrant that was given actually by all three, Queen Elizabeth, Prince Philip, and Prince Charles, but it was removed in 2000 three years after Princess Diana died with Mohammed Fayed's son, Dodi in a Parisian car crash. Interesting. I'm probably thinking too much into this or maybe I'm not. So dun, dun, dun. I don't know when I, I think maybe if I were to guess the Royal Warrant came up for renewal in 2000 and they said, no, I don't think we want to associate with Herod's right now because um, of everything that was going on with the Fayed's, which is just played out on the crown and how, Basically, Mohammed Fayed was saying that the royal family killed Dodi and Diana, but that's a whole other segment. So I hope you found that as interesting as I did. And now you know a little more about the royal warrant. Did you learn anything, Jessica? I did. Yes, there are lots of brands mentioned here. So um, definitely, like you said, if you've got a champagne taste and a champagne budget to match. <laughs> if you can um, afford it, baby, go, go for it. Go it for it. Shopping. Go for it. By the way, I want to sneak this in here. Um, I, well, I guess we'll, yeah, well, I guess we'll um, be having this conversation right around Kate's birthday, but Kate's birthday, Kate's 42nd birthday is next week. So happy early birthday to the princess of Wales. Happy early birthday. Wow. Full episode. Absolutely. That's a, that's what happens when we skip a week. We got full episode. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed our big Christmas week catch up that we did as well as the really exciting news out of Denmark and our fun new little series from Rachel, the Royal Potpourri. So we will be back with more fun content. I would expect now that the holidays are over, the Royals will be back working in full force. So we'll probably have a lot of stuff coming up in the next several weeks. Um, But Rachel, thanks for Thanks for hanging out with me for another episode. That was fun, except when it wasn't. I don't like Margreth news, but anyway. (laughs) Well, congratulations to her.
Yes. Congratulations, your majesty. You have earned this rest. And thank you to our listeners for joining us again. So please, as always, be sure to come hang out with us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. We try to post news as we get it there. Um, And Rachel welcomes all of your DMs. So send them (laughs) our way. That's right. Please (laughs) please keep them coming. If you have ideas for anything you'd like us to cover on the podcast, you can always reach out and let us know. Or if you have questions, um, you can also send us an email to hello podcast at G- or hello podcast, hello podcast royal at gmail. Who knows where that's going to go if you send it to hello podcast? By the way, we again do not run a hotel. I don't know what this is about, but I'm not responding to you. So stop emailing me about booking a hotel. I don't know what you're talking about. The end. Yeah. So we are hello podcast royal at gmail.com. And once again, thank you for tuning in to episode 120 of Podcast Royal. Happy 2024. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.